Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church. And we just wanna welcome you into our weekend worship experience. And we said every week that we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. Again, in difficult, trying times, not just what we're in today, but every day, every life, every situation, again, Jesus is the answer. So wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, man, we're so glad you're here. Wanna give a big shout out to all of our Faith Church family. Thanks for joining us. Hey, again, we're just a few short weeks away of opening our building back and getting back to some level of normalcy. And when that happens on Father's Day, June, coming up in just a couple weeks, I want to make sure you're here. And for you that are watching and you're not faith family, but you're joining in maybe for the first time, we want to say welcome to you. We're glad you're hanging out with us. And again, for all of us, I just want to encourage us to open up our hearts, allow God to meet you where you are, to speak into your situation, to speak into your life. It'll be the greatest thing that you've ever done. Well, hey, listen, before we get into this message, I just want to acknowledge the video testimony that you just watched. It's just a powerful message and testimony of our lead worship uh, pastor, Chris Sherwood. And I would encourage you at the end of this message to hang out for the back end of his story and to find out what God's doing in his life. So, hey, listen, there's a, a question I just have to ask as we step into week three of this series, Heart Matters. We've been talking about this idea that what's in God's heart matters and what's in our heart it matters. And so here's the question. What's the most painful thing that you've ever experienced? Now, I want you to think about that question. Obviously, there's a, diver a diversity of uh, answers as we ask that question. And for me, there's no doubt about it. The most painful thing that I've ever experienced. I mean, there's not a close second. There's not a close third. There's not a close fourth. The most painful thing I've ever experienced is kidney stones. Now, if you've never had a kidney stones, the Lord bless you. I can tell you this, my, uh, my wife actually had one uh, just several years after we were married. And when she got a kidney stone, I'm just going to be honest. First of all, empathy is not a strong gift of mine anyways, but I really downplayed it. I minimized it. I, I really, I thought she was being a baby. Now, I didn't say that to her face. And you know that because we're still married. Come on. In fact, this weekend we're celebrating 26 years. So shout out to my bride. But here's what's funny is when I got my first kidney stone about six years ago, I'll never forget that pain. It was at a whole nother level. I mean, it was just unmatched like anything I've ever felt. I remember, man, laying on the floor like a baby in the fetal position, just pounding the floor, pounding the concrete. I was embarrassed to go to the hospital to get help because I was in so much pain. I mean, it was just, it was just absolutely unbearable. But when I think back of the same pain my wife was in that I minimized, right? I'm just telling you, just never minimize a hurt that you haven't had. Uh, just come on, I, I can shut this message down right there. It's, it's so easy to minimize someone else's hurt when we've not had it. But once you've felt what someone else feels, again, you can have some empathy. But again, it's, as you go, as I went through that pain, again, it was just absolutely overwhelming. Nothing like it in the world. But the purpose, the purpose of pain is to let you know there's a problem, right? I mean, that's why our body, that's why God designed our body to inform us of pain, really to inform us of a problem. That if there's pain somewhere, like you, you need to move your body out of that situation or, or you need to get help. So again, the purpose of pain is to point out a problem. But the problem with pain is it can sometimes become so powerful that it becomes a priority and can rob you of your purpose. Let me tell you what I mean by that. So that same weekend that I got a kidney stone, I was supposed to uh, be the minister at a wedding that I was gonna marry a couple. 
However, I woke up that Saturday morning about five o'clock in the morning. And again, that pain, come on, someone just kept cranking the dial. And the, the, the more the pain got, the more I got bent over until I was absolutely out of my mind in pain. The only thing I could think about was getting to the hospital and getting help. And so here I am laying in the back, uh, in, in the emergency room. They're finally giving me drugs. Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> and I just remember being in so much pain that ultimately I got to this place. I forgot all about the wedding. So what, become, what was someone's most important day in their life became nothing to me because my pain was so strong. So what I'm telling you is that, that, that pain has a purpose, but again, it can become so powerful that it just takes your focus off of some other things that should be a purpose and should be a priority. Where I should have been a minister at a ceremony, I was a patient in the hospital. Come on. And so here's the question, though. When I, when I ask you the question at home or you here, what's the, you know, what's the most painful experience you've ever had? What's the most painful thing you've ever experienced? Probably many of you didn't think it's something physical. Probably many of you thought of something emotional, an emotional pain. You thought of an anguish you had. You thought of a, you thought of a, a frustration you had. You thought of a bitterness you carried. You thought of an anger. I've heard people who've wrestled with depression describe it as painful. And so here's the challenge is, again, while some of us might talk about a painful or the most painful experience we've ever had is being physical, there are far more of us when we talk about the pain we experience, it's not physical, right? It's emotional. In emotional pain, life physical pain can also betray you. The same way your body can betray you when it's in severe pain, your heart can betray you when the pain is too severe, when it overwhelms you. And so I want to dig into Psalm 55. Psalm 55, as I read this, what I want you to hear is again, this echo of emotional pain. Because your emotional pain, again, it might be anguish. It might be grief. It might be disappointment. It might be a broken heart. And you feel overwhelmed with the pain you're feeling. This is the same thing that we're about to read in Psalm 55. It says this, <clears throat> verses one through eight, we're gonna read all this together. It says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me and I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. Now, before we get into what, what's being written here, one of the things that's probably most encouraging about this section of scripture is not what's written, but who wrote it. Some of you probably already know this, who's watching this, that many of the Psalms, which again, this is Psalm 55, many of the Psalms that were written were written by King David. So let's talk about who wrote this before we talk about what was written, because again, you're going to find a lot of encouragement in this. David wasn't just David. David ultimately was known as King David. King David, what you need to know about him is that he was a man who was successful and he was a man who was spiritual. When I say successful and spiritual, like this guy, he was the man's man. Everybody was looking up to. Everybody wanted to be like King David. We talk about successful. He comes on the scene of history by defeating the giant Goliath. He doesn't just win the fight. He fights a fight no other military person is willing to even go on the battlefield and fight. 
He not only comes onto the battlefield defeating Goliath the giant, but very quickly he becomes known as a mastermind of the battlefield. Songs begin to be sung about him that the previous king, King Saul, he might slay his thousands, but come on, some of you know the song, David slays his tens of thousands. So, I mean, this is a man of absolute success. He's the guy who not only wins battles and military might, he unites the nation of Israel. He's the one who ultimately comes up with the plan. I mean, through God's inspiration, but he comes up with the plan to build the temple. So this guy is the epitome of success and not just success, but he's the upper echelon of like spirituality. David, just let me just give you two examples. David is known in scripture as being a man after God's own heart. I mean, what a compliment. Like he was passionate about God, passionate about his word, passionate about honoring the Lord. And not just that, but he's, he's defined as being the apple of God's eye. I'm gonna be honest, I'm a little bit jealous of that one. So this guy, here's why this is important, is because this section of scripture that we just read about, about this person in emotional turmoil is King David who's writing it. And when, when, I, when you read this, what you find out is this man who is an example of success and spirituality, this is important that even though David was successful on the outside, he still struggled on the inside. Now, listen, this is so important because when you read the Bible, a lot of the Old Testament records some of the life of David. There's sections in Samuel and sections in Chronicles that talk about his life. And so most of those biographies talk about his successes. While the Psalms, many of them written by David, record his struggles. And he, he had both. And this is important. If you're taking notes, the presence of success doesn't mean the absence of struggles. The presence of success doesn't mean the absence of struggles. Again, I, I, I know sometimes it's easy to look at other people who got the degree, who got the job, come on, who got the girl, who, and it feels like they have it all together. And the more we look at other people on the outside and think their success means they have it all together, the more we feel marginalized, like we're the only ones falling apart. Uh, the reason I'm encouraged by this is because if someone like David can have struggles, come on, that means me, we all have struggles. I want to tell you something. No one has it all together. If we've learned anything through this series, Heart Matters is, again, God said right in the beginning that, that man judges by the outward appearance, but God judges the heart. Again, we are so fascinated by the outside, but really it's the inside that matters. And so I just want you to know this, that, that again, just because somebody else you're looking at or you admire, you look up to is successful, doesn't mean they don't have struggles. People oftentimes, and I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by it and I celebrate it and I'm thankful for it. People, pastor, you have such a great marriage and you have a great family and you know, God's blessed your ministry. I'm just gonna tell you, God has given me a lot of success but I want you to know I have just as many struggles. I have hangups just like you. I have habits just like you. I have not just victories, but I have defeats just like you. Come on, somebody. And so just because I have success, I also have struggled just like King David. Here's another thing. The presence of a struggle doesn't mean you have to have a limited success. Sometimes we feel like I can't get there unless I overcome everything back there. And we feel like just because I'm struggling, because I have this internal mess, because I came up in a home full of heartache, because I came from a background that now I struggle, because someone hurt me, because someone took advantage of me, because I'm filled with this anguish or this anger. Sometimes we feel like we can't have success until we get beyond that. But what we find in David 
So he had both. That somebody, somehow he found this way that in the midst of internal struggle, he still had external success. Again, so man, no one has it all together. You can have both struggles and success. They, uh, in the Old Testament, right, the Israelites are a perfectly, perfect example of someone who allowed their struggles to keep them from success. Here they are standing on the border of the promised land. God says, hey, this is all for you. And they go in and they check out what God's about to give them. And they come back with this report. Come on, there's giants in the land. And they allowed their fear, they were overwhelmed with an internal fear to keep them from the promise. Come on, some of you are overwhelmed with something on the inside, but don't let it keep you from your promise. Here's another one. Again, I'm not even in the message yet, but I just, I had to give these. Being successful doesn't mean hiding your struggle. The thing about, again, the Psalms, when you understand that the majority of them were written, all of them exemplifying internal struggles, again, were written by this successful king. I love David because he's not afraid to be genuine. He's not afraid to be authentic. Like he made his problems public in the Psalms. They were there on record for everybody to read. So everybody that put him on a pedestal realized he was real just like everybody else. See, we live in a world that makes us feel like we have to hide that we're human. Like, listen, you need to keep that under. Come on, I, really, I've come to tell, not just everybody, I've come to tell the man, man up doesn't mean hiding your feelings. Man up means expose what you're struggling with. It just means just be, be authentic, that it's okay to hurt. It's okay. It's okay to feel anxiety. It's, it's okay that you're wrestling with bitterness. It's okay to feel like your heart is overwhelmed with anger. Because this is exactly what David is doing, that David is saying, hey, listen, even though I got some success, I'm not going to hide my struggles. I'm just willing to write it down. Anybody can read it. Any, here we are reading his stories, come on, 3,000 years later, about this successful king that still has struggles. And so those two things are not mutually exclusive. You can have, you can have struggles and still be successful. And just because some, some, someone's successful doesn't mean they don't have struggles. And in the midst of success, some of the greatest things you can do, I'm just telling you, listen, if you don't make your struggle public, then you can't make the praise public. Listen, when you finally get a breakthrough, that's when you can celebrate in front of all your friends that you were talking about your problems with. Look at the praise because God is faithful. When you hide your problems, when you have a victory, who are you going to celebrate it with? Come on, that's why we can just declare that, yeah, I'm a person who struggles, but I have a God who's faithful. When he brings the breakthrough, I'm going to make it public. Come on, somebody. But in, in Psalm 55, what you find is David is, is wrestling through the hurt. He's wrestling through the feelings. He's wrestling through this emotional pain. And I want to read through a couple of these and listen again to what he says. Verse three, he says, my enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. Now, come on, wait. I'm reading, I'm like, for real? That, that's your problem? People are yelling at you? Oh, wait, they're not just yelling at you. They're shouting at you and making not just threats, but loud threats. Come on, King David. Haven't you ever heard sticks and stones may break my bones? But we're... 
But no, see what David is doing, David is listing his pain and he's letting us know what people are saying to me and what people are saying about me. It's painful. In fact, verse four, he says this, listen, the terror of death, terror isn't physical. Terror isn't something that you can get your arms around. But he's saying the terror, that, that emotional pain, the weight of the internal struggle. He says, listen, he says, he says, the terror of death, it assaults me. Come on, some of you know this. That emotional conflict is sometimes more painful than physical conflict. Yes, Listen, if you've never if you've never been in a fight, you can't relate. But come on, some of you, come on, some of you haven't always been serving Jesus, and some of you've been in some tangles. Some of you took some left hooks. Some of you rolled on the ground with some people. And listen, when you have a physical struggle, you can identify who the enemy is. When you have a physical struggle, when the fight's over, usually the pain soon after ends. But what happens when the enemy is in me? When the, when the struggle isn't external, it's not a physical enemy, but it's an internal enemy. Because this is what David's saying. David's saying, man, I'm carrying this pain. I'm carrying what people are saying about me, and I'm carrying the, th- the threats they're, they're, they're shouting at me. He goes through this, listen, and he's saying, he's saying like, really, the, the enemy is not so much, it's not so much these people. It's the pain. I just, I want you to hear me watching this at home. That it's, that it's easy again to hide your pain because sometimes we're embarrassed or people can't relate. Sometimes we feel like other people have real problems. But I want you to know if you're watching this and you have a real emotional trauma, pain, a weight you're carrying, where, you're, where you feel overwhelmed. We're gonna see this in a second. I just want you to know, man, that God can meet you where you are. Your pain is real. Your hurt is real. And you don't have to minimize it. You don't have to make excuses for it. And so he's going through this and listen to how he describes again, how, how real the pain is. Again, we read this and he's getting yelled at. We think, what's the big deal? But listen, he says this in verse four. He says, my heart is pounding in my chest. Like, And he says this, verse five, he says, I can't stop shaking. Psychological battles often lead to physiological breakdowns. I'm telling you that sometimes our pain can be so real, it doesn't stay internal. It starts showing up external. Sometimes what you're feeling on the inside can show up in your marriage. You can take it onto the job with you. Come on, sometimes what's happening to you physically, I know some of you watching this, you've experienced anxiety attacks where what's happening in your heart floods out into your life. And this is what David is saying. Here is David. David is the king of a nation. He's saying, but what's going on in my heart? He's saying, it's paralyzing me. It's, it's showing up in my daily life. I, here's what I think is, man, there's, there's one thing to have feelings. It's another thing for feelings to have you. It's one thing for, for you to feel any kind of feeling, good or bad, positive or negative. But it's another thing when that, when that feeling becomes so prominent in your life, when it becomes so powerful in your life, when it becomes so overwhelming in your heart, that you no longer have the feeling, but now the feeling has you. And you become captive to that thing. Hearts matter. And a lot of us have hearts filled with emotions and we're overwhelmed. The question, like, what do we do? So he uses this word overwhelmed. David describes what he's going through with this word overwhelmed. Two different times. In verse two, he says, I'm overwhelmed by my troubles. In verse five, he says, fear and trembling 
overwhelm me. Now think about this again, this, this, this word overwhelmed, I don't know if you, have you ever said this before? Have you ever said, um, like you're, have you ever said you're overwhelmed? You ever, have you ever felt overwhelmed before? Yeah. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by your calendar or overwhelmed by a situation, overwhelmed? The word overwhelmed, the picture is, where David says he's overwhelmed, the picture is somebody who's totally covered up by something. Now, I use that word cover up. Sometimes if someone asks me, like, hey, pastor, you want to go to lunch today? And I say, I can't, I'm covered up. What I'm saying is there's so, much on my, there's so much on my plate, there's so much going on that I can't focus on anything else. I have to stay focused on this thing because I'm covered up. What David is saying is the emotional struggle and the weight that he's carrying is so heavy, it's so weighty, he's saying it's covered me up, which means it's the only thing he can put his attention and focus on. I said it earlier, the problem with pain is sometimes it can become so powerful that it becomes our priority and robs us of our purpose. Sometimes you can be so covered up by hurt, anxiety, anguish, grief, frustration, disappointment, a broken heart. Sometimes you can be so overwhelmed or covered up by it that it's the only thing you see. It's the only thing that's in front of you and takes all of our energy to entertain that emotion. Verse six, watch this. He says this after exhausting all of these feelings and letting his readers know this emotional trauma and this baggage that he's carrying. He says this, he says, oh, that I had wings like a dove and then I would fly away. Now, I don't know if anybody's seen the movie Forrest Gump. Anybody seen the movie? So when I read this, I thought of the movie Forrest Gump because the movie Forrest Gump, if you've not seen it, I don't know what you've been doing. Turn off Netflix and get back to a good movie. Forrest Gump is a great movie, but in the movie, it starts when Forrest Gump is a little boy and he has this neighborhood friend who's a little girl, Jenny. And you get in the story and Jenny is really the next, she's like the next main character because her story is intertwined with Forrest's story all the way through the movie. But again, when you're introduced to her in the beginning of the story, you find out that, that Jenny is being raised in a home that uh, is, a, is abusive, her, her, her father's an alcoholic. And there's some words that you, that's used there that definitely hints that young Jenny, this little girl is being sexually abused by her father. And, and Forrest comes to check on her one day and she's waiting outside and, and her dad wakes up in this drunken rage screaming at her and they run through this tobacco patch and and they run out in the field and she's so afraid of her father, so afraid of, of what she's going to do, so afraid of what he would do if he got a hold of her. And she runs down and, and some of you guys remember this scene and they fall down and she says, pray with me, Forrest. And she prays this prayer, dear God, make me a bird that I can fly far, far, far away. Dear God, make me a bird that I can fly far, far, far away. Dear God, make me a bird that I can fly far, far, far away. What she's saying is, God, I, I need to escape this pain. God, I wish I had wings that I could get away from this trauma. God, I wish I could be, I wish I could be like a bird that I could escape what I'm, what I'm feeling. This is exactly what David's saying. Like I, I'm in so much pain. I wish I could just fly away from here. But here's what you need to know because the same thing that David is writing is the same thing that Jenny's talking about is the same, same thing that's going on with some of us. Listen, you can, you, can, uh, you can grow some wings and you can fly away, but you'll never, you'll never fly away from what's on the inside of you. See, it's not what we're in. It's what's inside of us. Listen, if you're a broken person in a broken marriage, you can get out of the broken marriage and get in another marriage, but you're still a broken person. 
and you take the pain with you into the next marriage. Come on, I've been in ministry a long time and, and like people are people and I get it, but people come and they're upset because I'm not a perfect pastor and we're not a perfect church full of perfect people and they get mad and they go down the road to the next church. The problem is the mess in your heart you just took with you. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging anybody, but what I'm saying is that we are so overwhelmed with pain that sometimes we just want to get away and the answer isn't to get away. The answer isn't to fly away. The answer is to deal with it. Because we can get in another situation, but if we got the same pain, we'll bring the same problems that we took into the last situation because we're still carrying the same pain. And so what do we do with it? The question is, what do you do when your heart is overwhelmed? What do you do when your pain is so great? What do you do when your anguish is so deep? What do you do when your grief is so overwhelming? What do you do in the rage and anger? What do you do? Because David... He transitions in. He starts giving us some answers. But I'm just going to give you two things real quick. We could do this all day. But I'm just going to give you two. What do you do when our heart is overwhelmed? Number one, you got to fight against the feelings that are fighting against you. At some point, you, gotta, at some point you have to fight back. Now, feelings, I, I got to tell you, feelings are a gift from God. God is the one who's made us. He's made us in his image and the, the, the triune person that we are, we're a body, a soul, and a spirit is a reflection of the triune God who created us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which means our soul. The, again, I told us early on, what is our heart? When we talk about our heart, it's not our blood pumping muscle. It's the center of who we are. It's the seat of all of our emotions. It's where all of the emotions that you're wrestling with come from. And all of them, grief, anger included, those are all of gift from God. But sometimes, again, the enemy can turn your emotions on you. Sometimes the enemy, come on, he can weaponize your emotions and turn them on you. And there's a time you got to raise up and you got to fight back against the emotions that are fighting you. Remember back, come on, one of the, one of the turning points in our nation, 9-11. September 11, 2001. Here are these terrorists. What do they do? They go and hijack these planes. Something that was intended to be beneficial, they hijack and weaponize for destruction. And that's exactly what the enemy does. The enemy wants to take what God intended to bless us with, what God wanted us to use, what God wanted us to sense and feel this world with. And the enemy will weaponize it and turn it back against us. And so I'm just saying, sometimes we got to fight back. Let me just give you a couple anger. When I say he'll weaponize our anger and we got to fight back, it's okay to be angry. There's some stuff, there's some stuff right now happening in our culture. There's some stuff right now happening in society. There's some stuff right now happening with racism that someone ought to be angry about. Someone ought to speak up with, but listen to me, God's word says, hey, be angry. Injustice ought to make us angry. Racism ought to make us angry. But God's word says, but be angry, but don't sin. If your anger takes you into, if the anger of another life being taken drives you to take the life of another, you cross the line and your anger was weaponized against you. And so it's, it's that, by, Psalm 137.9 is one of, the, one of the most outrageous verses in scripture. And there's, there's a lot in there, but I wanna, I wanna read it to you. The person who wrote this Psalm is in a very difficult situation. He has become enslaved by the nation of Babylon as a Jew. And this is what he writes. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. 
Now, I'm just telling you, you can read that and say, that's, a, that's offensive. But he doesn't do it. He's just expressing this rage and this anger like here they are. They're enslaved in a foreign land and their land's been taken. From, and it's okay to be angry, but don't allow your anger, anger to be weaponized against you. Our grief, it's okay to, be, to, to experience grief when you lose someone you love or you lose something that you love. But when your grief robs you of life and traps you into your house where you don't go out and continue to experience the life that you have because of the life that you lost, your, your grief has been weaponized against you. Fear, come on, fear is a, come on, everybody say fear. fear. Is fear good or bad? It's both. Come on, fear helps me make some really good decisions. If you don't have fear, you're going to do some foolish stuff. We're not on the stage right now, but come on, like I'm, I'm rolling up on 50. I'm not there yet, but I can, see the, I can see the road is coming. And our platform, I think right now, is probably about three and a half foot high. Like there was a day, some of you are laughing at me right now. I don't care, laugh at me, baby. 50's coming for you too if Jesus don't come. <laughs> and I remember like I would jump off three and a half feet. That's nothing. I would jump off that. Now there's time. Some, of you, some people will come down front and want to talk to me. And I'll look and think, now I'm going to walk around. <laughs> Why? Because I'm afraid if I jump off of three and a half feet at almost 50 years old, that I'm just going to tear something in a knee or a hip and, or a back or an arm. I don't know. <laughs> so fear helps us make some wise decisions. But come on, I'm just telling you, while healthy fear keeps us out of trouble, unhealthy fear will keep you out of destiny. Unhealthy fear, when the enemy puts a fear in you that keeps you out of destiny, keeps you out of purpose, keeps you out of opportunity, keeps you out of a healthy risk. Come on, what I'm telling you is the enemy will take some of the things on the inside of you, some of the weight, some of the struggle, and some of the pain, and he will weaponize it to keep you out of your purpose. That's what pain does. Pain becomes so powerful, it robs us of our purpose. Desire. Come on, did you know God is the one who gifted us with the gift of desire? But sometimes the enemy will weaponize it and cause you to take desire to another level where now you live in lust and greed. So I'm, I'm not telling you there's anything wrong with emotions. I'm telling you when your emotions become so real, so raw, so heavy, that it feels like a physical fight and you don't know what to do and your life is out of control. And I'm not telling you anything is wrong with medication. Listen, I don't, I don't have a problem taking something. If, I, if I'm sick, I don't have a problem taking an antibiotic. And if I'm emotionally struggling, I don't have a problem with medication. But I'm telling you at the end of the day, if all we do is medicate it, we're missing the mark because God ultimately wants us to find freedom from the thing that's overwhelming us. And so why do we find David? Again, he keeps taking his pain to the Lord. He, again, most of the Psalms are written by David. And if you read them, most of the Psalms are talking about his internal struggles. Again, the weight of his worry, the pain and the anguish that he's carrying, the disappointment and the hurt. Like it's all David. And the reason I think he keeps taking the Lord, first of all, he recognizes, come on, God's the only one that could ultimately do something about it. I just want you to know, whatever you're going through, God can do something about it. God's word says with him, all things are possible. Come on, there's not a problem that can ever show up in anyone's life that God doesn't already have the solution to. 
with God, all things are possible. So David knows he has to do something with this pain. So he takes it to the one who can do something about it. But I don't think it just that. I don't think it just does that because he takes it to the person who can do something about it, but he takes it to the one who can handle it. If you're taking notes, listen to me. This is so important. The Lord is the only one who can't be poisoned by our pain. Listen, when you, when there, I'm not telling us not to talk to friends. But sometimes the reason we want to take our emotional weight and put it on somebody else isn't because we want to find freedom. It's because we want somebody else, come on, to feel our pain so someone else will be down where we are. I want someone else, I, again, I, I, don't want, I don't want empathy. I want someone else to struggle like me. And so we try to put our pain and our hurt and our struggle on other people. And listen to me, while that's okay to talk to friends and it's, it's encouraging to talk to counselors, listen to me, when I take my pain and my hurt and my heartache and I give it to God, he's not poisoned by the problem. He gives me a solution to the problem. Come on, victory comes through Christ. Psalm 61, verse one and two, again, this is David. He says, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, there it is again. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. He's like, I'm the king of the nation. If anybody, he says, I have access. I got all the money. I got all the kingdom counselors. I've got the best friends. I've got the best warriors. But he says, at some point, I don't have the resource to fix my problem. So lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Come on. So sometimes we got to fight against our feelings that are fighting us. And sometimes we got to fight through our feelings. And this is so important. When I say fight through our feelings, I mean sometimes God gives you feelings and you use those things for the fight you're in. What I'm telling you is that sometimes feelings are a catalyst to action. Sometimes God will allow you to see injustice and feel anger so you will do something about the injustice. See, sometimes God will give you empathy for somebody else who's hurting. So you'll go alongside them and put your arm around them and show them love. See, God has given us feelings because the same way the enemy can weaponize them against us. Come on, God's given them to us to weaponize us as a solution to the problems of this world. So sometimes our feelings are, right, looking for a resolution through action. We just, we just have to do something. Jesus Right? Again, Jesus felt compassion. Well, Jesus didn't just feel compassion. He was moved by compassion to do something. Jesus wept. We talked about these earlier on and what's in God's heart. We see that Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus. Well, Jesus didn't just stand there and weep. He went and called forth his friend Lazarus from the grave. When Jesus showed up at the temple and, and the people were there making it difficult for everyday people to have an encounter with God, the Bible says that, that Jesus, that zeal was eating him up. Well, he didn't just stand back and have this passionate feel of zeal. It caused him to go in to action. And I'm just telling you, God has given some of you, the reason you feel overwhelmed is because God gave you that feeling to move you to action. God has given us this passion and God, come on, listen, I'm, it, it's love that got me married. It's love that pushed me. It's love that pushed me to ask her out. It's love that pushed me down to ask her to be my wife. It's love that pushed me down the aisle. And it's love that's got me to 26 years. Come on, I'm not a robot. It's love that keeps me in my marriage. Come on, God has given us emotions for a reason. Sometimes we got to fight through the emotions that we have. Hannah's a great example in the Old Testament. Come on, I'm, I'm almost done. If you don't know Hannah, Hannah, she's, she's a woman in the Old Testament. She ultimately gives birth to this person named Samuel. Samuel became a key 
spiritual player in the history of the nation of Israel. But we find Hannah, she's barren. She can't have kids. And she's not afraid in the midst of this weight of disappointment and heartache that she can't give a child to her husband Elkanah. Like she don't hide it. She goes public with it. And we find her in her story. She is laid out in the temple and she is weeping so passionately that when her husband sees her broken, he thinks she's drunk. Come on, somebody. But God sees her brokenness because she made it public and God blesses her with the child. What I'm telling you is the enemy wants to tell you to hide it. The enemy tells you, come on, listen, gloss it over. I'm just saying, listen, sometimes we need to go public with our feelings, not hide them, but use them because it was some praying grandparents that got some of you saved. It was some praying parents that cared about the hurting your life that they carried that come on pushed you to the other side come on sometimes the emotions that we're carrying can feel overwhelming it's because we keep them hidden and we don't use them listen sometimes we got to fight back against them and sometimes we got to put those things into action but do something do something with the pain do something with the emotion do something with the hurt do something with the grief do something but don't stand and become a victim of the very heart that God gave you to feel something that should move you into your purpose and not keep you from it. So sometimes, sometimes God will give you a breakthrough. Sometimes God will, God will take this passion you have and God will give you a breakthrough. And sometimes God will bind up that broken heart. So I'm telling you, if you got to fight back against it, I just want you to know God's in the fight with you. And if God gave you those feelings to fight through the purpose on your life, God will give you a breakthrough. But you won't have the breakthrough until you fight with the feelings and through the feelings. And you won't get your broken heart bound up. Listen, the only way you get a bound up heart is first you confess it's broken. But if we just keep hiding it, keep covering it over, keep minimizing it, God will never show up. God's word says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so as I close today, at the end of this message, we're gonna go back into Pastor Chris's testimony, what God has done so graciously in his life with his own feeling of being overwhelmed. But I want you to know as you watch this in a minute, and even before we close, that God can meet you where you are. You maybe again have been marginalized or People have just ignored the pain you're in or maybe you've tried to hide it. But that pain and that anguish and that hurt and that heartache and that anger, those feelings are real. And if you'll just pour out your heart to God just like David did, God will step into your situation just like he did for David. And either God will give you a breakthrough or God will bind up what's broken. But either way, on the other side is victory. And so Father, I thank you God for the promise God, I thank you for the example of David. Again, we can have success and still have struggle. And God, through it, ultimately we can have victory. And so Lord, I pray every person carrying weight and worry, guilt and heartache, anguish and frustration, anger and disappointment, bitterness and hurt, Lord, whatever the emotion is, I pray every person who feels absolutely overwhelmed by it, that Lord, you would bring them to the place of breakthrough. God will bring them to the place where you bind up what's broken. And Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.